Welcome to a brand new episode of Unlike a Lady, where every other week you will find me conversing with women from different phases of life, celebrating their life journeys as well as seeking inspiration from daily life situations and how they chose to defy the existing gender norms of the society to live life unlike a lady. The guest joining us today is a reputed gynecologist. Dr. Mithi Bhanot, who graduated from one of the most renowned medical colleges of Delhi, Maulana Azad, and has over 20 years of experience in the field of medicine. Tune into the episode as we converse about her journey, from her experience of assisting her first delivery as a college student, to her medical expertise on myths around pregnancy, as well as discussion about PCOD. So let's get started. Welcome, Dr. Mithi Bhanot. Thank you so much for taking up the time to be here. Good morning. So, I would like to start by asking you about early years of your life. Where did you grow up? So, my father was in the army. So, we grew up in the different cantonments of this country. But uh, mostly it was in the Delhi cantonment. And I studied in the army public school, Dholakwa. Right. So I think in your profession, that is one field where you take the decision of the career path in your life very early on as a 15, 16 year old. So how and when did you know that you wanted to be a doctor? My grandfather, that is my maternal grandfather was a doctor and I was really inspired by him. So somewhere down the line, even as a you know child of four or five years of age, I knew that I had to become a doctor. You know, he was my inspiration. So... Um, while growing up, I don't think I had any other thought in my mind other than that, yes, I want to become a doctor. That was there. Wonderful. And Nothing else. And then you went on to do your medicine from the very reputed college of Delhi. How was yes. your life there? So I did my graduation from Mulana Azad Medical College, New Delhi. And I think those were the golden years of my life, right. you know, coming from the army background, a very disciplined life. And then you enter Mulana Azad, mm. which is like a totally different uh, atmosphere, right? right? College, medical, and, uh, you know, you meet friends from different parts of the country, different backgrounds. Definitely. So that was my first encounter with the civilian life or the life outside army. Right. And it was an experience and I really enjoyed it. Amazing. The best years of my life. Right, I'm sure. And how did you get to choose gynecology as the field of your specialization? See, um, as a lady, I could always relate with the problems of uh, ladies and, you know, young girls. Right. And I thought uh, this is my best, uh, you know, best way I could uh, give it back Definitely. to the society. I chose this field. I had an interest in gynecology. Right. So, uh, moving on to experiences in this particular field, do you recall the first delivery that you were a part of or that you headed yourself? Do you recall any incidents from there that you would like to share? Yes, I was a third year student and I was uh, told to assist in delivery. And the moment the patient was about to deliver, the only thing I did was run to feedback. Oh. <laughs> you know, and the sister of her life and then she took the delivery and then she was giving me dirty looks <laughs> but it was like it 
a shock to me and I couldn't handle it. Right. Maybe because I was a third year student. But then after that, uh, it became, you know, as and when with one, uh, then you got a nice dressing from your senior <laughs> that this is not supposed to behave. And then after that, uh, we got into the mood and then we learned right. and we were comfortable. Now it's something that you're doing on more or less a regular basis. So almost every day. Right. <laughs> Okay, so uh, this particular field, as you said that, you know, you relate being a lady, do you think that uh, people are also more comfortable with a female gynecologist than a male one? Surprisingly, this is seen in the northern India, you know, the northern okay. India, we have more female gynecologists hmm. and all the male doctors who enter this field usually go into the laparoscopy side of it, you know, okay. the surgical side of it. All right. But if you go down south, Hmm. There is a more of male gynecologists and hmm. uh, the ladies there tend to prefer male gynecologists. Okay. So I think it is always in different part of the countries where you are living and all and what is the you know general comfort level there. Right, right. There's this one question that I really wanted to ask you. How was it like for you as a gynecologist during your own pregnancy? Because I feel that, you know, the elders in our society, they're so used to, you know, telling the pregnant women of the family the typical do's and don'ts and everything. But I'm sure that was kind of different for you because you're yourself a professional in that field. So how was that journey of those nine months for you? As a doctor and as being pregnant for the first time, I was really never pampered by my husband, who is also a doctor. And he's like, yeah, normal, normal. So that pampering thing was not there. And at the same time, you know, you knew all the, you know, what is going to happen next, what is going to happen next. So you were always right. anxious about it. And being a doctor, you know, all the complications also. So it was quite right. an anxious uh, time for us. But then, hmm. uh, yes, we continued working since there was no pampering and then there was no nakras because <laughs> you were working doctor so i think i continued working till two hours before my delivery oh oh my god wow i was working till 6 30 and then 8 30 i delivered my baby wow and working full time that's really inspiring but then like were you uh, there was no one for you to look out to to consult or to ask because you yourself knew that what all is going to be happening and no i was under the supervision of my senior but then mostly it was, you know, it was an understood thing. Okay, now this you have right. to do, now this is the ultrasound, now this is the injection you need to take. So right. it was basically self-care. Right, right. But I'm sure it was a whole, you know, beautiful experience because that was the first time you experienced all of that practically yourself. After delivering and after, you know, going through pregnancy and delivering, I could relate to my patients better. You know, when they used right. to tell me that I have this problem and I used to say, yes, yes, I understand. So I could right. understand, I could empathize with them in a better manner, you know. Right. So that, that kind of somewhere or the other added to your whole experience as a professional. And it did make me a better doctor post that, a better gynecologist after going through the experience myself. I'm sure. Amazing. <laughs> Okay, so uh, moving on to a little technical aspect of medicine. One issue I think related to this, a very common issue with adolescent girls is PCOD and PCOS. So PCOD is called polycystic ovarian disease or polycystic ovarian syndrome and is, you know, very, very common nowadays among the young girls and is more of a lifestyle disease. Right. I actually reached out to a few friends of mine 
and I have a few questions that I would like to address and I would like to bring them out in front of you. Sure. So uh, one of them actually, you know, happened to mention to me that people kept telling her to lose weight. She had PCOS and but, you know, she's constantly seen other people who are skinny and have this problem as well. And then she was told to focus on a healthy diet also. How much effect does losing weight and following a diet have on PCOD? So the crux of the thing is that we can treat the problems you have with polycystic ovarian disease, but hmm. we can control the symptoms, but the ultimate treatment is regular exercise, right? right. So whether you are, you're, you're obese or you're a lean, thin person, the fact that you hmm. have polycystic ovarian disease does mean that you will have to put yourself on a strict exercise regime. And ultimately, that hmm. is what which corrects all your problems related to polycystic ovarian disease. Your aim should not be to lose weight. Your aim should be to be on a strict exercise regime. So whether you're obese or you're a lean, thin patient, that is immaterial. Use a right. have a strict exercise regime and yes, modify your diet. Your diet doesn't mean that you stop eating. It means you just hmm. eat healthy and eat healthy means your normal ghar ka khana. You know, the dal, right. the vegetables, the Indian home cooking yeah. is, I think, by far the best, uh, the Indian breakfast, the Indian lunch and dinner. So if you follow that and an strict exercise regime, that is what which ultimately right. takes care of your polycystic ovarian diseases. Right. So uh, I should have asked this earlier. People, I think, have a lot of confusion and misconception about the exact difference between PCOD and PCOS as well. So if you could just clarify that a bit for them. See, the polycystic ovarian syndrome is a combination of metabolic disorders and the fact that you have polycystic ovaries, right? Okay. So the metabolic disorders are that there could be some imbalance in the sugars, some imbalance in your lipid profile, right? And if you do not control them at a young age, you are at a risk of developing diabetes, blood pressure at a later age, right? So hmm. these are all, hmm. uh, you know, combination of lifestyle diseases and metabolic diseases. Polycystic right. disease is just that, okay, you have your ovaries, which are, which is an ultrasound finding, that you have your ovaries, hmm. which are polycystic. And along with that, irregular cycles and, you know, some symptoms of uh, increased male hormone in your body. That's it. Right. So PCOS is a more serious condition than PCOD. Okay. And uh, moving on to the next question. So uh, she has a very long gap of between, between her periods, sometimes as long as seven to eight months. And at an early age, like she was told to uh, start taking hormonal medicines. But obviously, after a point, her mother told her to not keep taking it for a long period of time because it might have more consequences. So is there any alternative for someone who is not taking those hormonal medicines on a regular basis? See, the alternative is that you will be you have to correct it yourself and get your, you know, regularize your cycles by exercise, right? And it does take time. So till the time your body gets used to that exercise regime, you do need to take the help of hormones, right? But it is it cannot be given blindly. We have to individualize the treatment for every person and then decide as to what treatment needs to be given to which girl. But if you want to be off hormones, you have to be very strict with your lifestyle and exercise. That's it. Hmm. So how long do you generally recommend? I'm sure, you know, taking those medicines for a long period of time does have some other consequences as well. 
you know, I cannot generalize it, but yes, uh, anywhere from three to six to nine months, sometimes even okay. depending upon the patient profile. Right, right, right. So the next question, you know, people who actually have this problem, anyone for that matter, I think with any problem, they really wish to know the actual reason behind it. And for PCOS, people keep searching it up on the internet, I feel, and the only reason they come across is genetic. So the person who brought this question to me says that her mother had a perfect period cycle. She never faced any issues. So she feels that it's not genetic for her. So what could, you know, other than this, what could be the actual reason for PCOS? It's a lifestyle disease. Her mother could have uh -huh. had polycystic ovarian disease, but you know, 30 years back, our lifestyle was very different. We were more... Right. Right? We used to do a lot of physical work. We were not sitting in front of the screen around 20 hours a day. So True. that itself corrected the syndrome or the polycystic ovarian disease, right? There is a genetic right. element to it. There is a lifestyle element to it. So these are the huh. reasons which are responsible. And it does not mean that if your ultrasound is showing polycystic ovarian disease, you are having the disease. No. Okay. Some people, you know, if I get an ultrasound done of 100 people, around 20 will have polycystic ovarian disease, but they'll be totally asymptomatic. Okay. So it is just, uh, you know, it's who has the symptoms needs to be treated. Otherwise, we don't treat it. Right, right. Got it. So the last question in this category, a 19-year-old has asked that, you know, it's been a long while she's facing this issue and probably it's going to continue because her cycle is still very irregular. What could be some of the long-term effects of this on her health? Because when she looks it up on the net, she comes across, you know, scary terms as she might get ovarian cancer or a major diabetes. So she did not want to take any, you know, information off the net and she wanted to ask a professional. Okay, so the long-term complications with this could be, you know, firstly, difficulty in conceiving, right? Okay. Uh, to start from the younger age, that she could have a little difficulty in conceiving and a slightly higher rate of miscarriage, hmm. right? Hmm. Then going on, yes, there is a higher chance of getting diabetes, blood pressure, hmm. and the other uh, related problems to it, you know, it could have an effect on the liver and kidney also. But okay. the good part is that if you are in a proper exercise regime and a proper diet, you could avoid these problems. You could have a very smooth pregnancy and you could avoid yeah. these long-term problems also. So instead of looking at the complications and the risks, let's look at the solutions yeah. and, you know, a simple change in lifestyle can prevent all of these above. Right. So I think the conclusion is exercise and a healthy diet. It's not about losing weight. It's about exercising well. Yes. All right. So from moving on from PCOS, PCOD to pregnancy. What are some of the common pregnancy-related myths and doubts that people constantly come to you with? So, um, you know, especially in India, we have whole lots of myths and doubts that ye nahi khana, wo nahi khana, and mother-in-law, and suddenly all the young ladies, you know, they suddenly become a very obedient uh, daughter-in-law when they are pregnant, and they start listening to all the myths. Right. They will, you know, prefer to listen and, you know, agree to all the myths than the other uh, scientific things. So the best is just listen to your doctor during your pregnancy and your uh, breastfeeding time. Your doctor will right. prescribe you medicines. Your doctor will prescribe you ultrasounds at a regular interval. You know, one of the major hmm. problems which we face is that people think the ultrasound is not good in pregnancy. Okay. 
Why? Because when their mothers and mother-in-laws were pregnant, there was no concept of an ultrasound. So it is totally new to them. Right. And they feel that it can harm the baby, which is a very big myth. And the ultrasounds are really required to monitor the growth of the baby. It is a new technology which is seen in our generation. And we must use it for a healthy mother and a healthy baby. Right. So I think this is the biggest myth that, you know, they are very against the ultrasounds. Um, is there any particular thing in their diet that you personally recommend? See, a high protein diet and a diet rich in iron. Because Indian females are, you know, the hemoglobin level is a little less and they are a little anemic. So a diet rich in right. iron and protein is what is required for the Indian uh, pregnant females. That is what is required. Okay. During this particular time, the last two years that we've seen such a major change in everything, what was the process of pregnancies like during the lockdown? Did you have an increased number of pregnancies where, you know, at least in the, for the celebrities, we've seen so many of them have planned their kids during this time? So we saw a lot of my patients, like I practice in Noida, a lot of my patients moving back to their hometowns in, you know, the B and C towns, you know, going back because, right, right. because of the work from home. So a lot of patients hmm. have left Delhi NCR and gone back to their hometowns and they have delivered there. So that is one trend I saw. Okay. The second is a lot of young couples did not want to get pregnant because they had that insecurity of their job, the financial issues. True. Right. So I personally saw a little decline in the pregnancy rate in my patient okay. or in my practice. Right. Right. What is that? Even people, you know, the patients who delivered in the pandemic, I'm sure they would have had a better experience had the pandemic not been there because, you know, we could have allowed their uh, relatives and all to come into the hospital freely definitely and that is what you need during pregnancy but because of the covid scare there were limited number of attendants and also there was a little difference in the pregnancy care yes right uh, any uh, covid related complications that you you know came across with pregnant women yes well you know there were uh, besides the physical complications there were a lot of mental health complications because the patients were very very anxious some of them having their right. being COVID positive, some of them having their partners being COVID positive, some themselves being COVID positive. So, you know, despite telling them that, look, just follow your doctor's advice. And they were really anxious about the complications, seeing the people, you know, suffering. So I think the mental health right. was a very big issue with them. Definitely. So many professions were impacted in different ways during COVID. I think people kind of had this misconception that medicine was one field where pay was not affected at all, you know, and uh, that pe medical staff was earning as they were earlier. And I think somewhere there's a, that is a big misconception. What, do you, what would you like to say about that? See, uh, as a medical doctor, I think we all have had a pay cut and a salary cut of around 30%, if not more, you know. Right. Because uh, we were hmm. only dealing with the COVID patients. The routine patients were not coming to us, right? Right. As a hospital, you know, as a business model of the hospital, yes, the uh, the revenue did reduce for the hospital. So obviously it impacted the doctors more. Hmm. So as a principal, uh, you know, the most of the institutions decided that the other staff, like the class three, class four employees, the sisters, they had a very, very little or in fact, no pay cut. Okay. But yes, the doctors did get a pay cut. Yes, and around 30 to 40%. Right, right. It was there. Hmm. 
So uh, now I would like to ask you that after, you know, being in the profession for so many years and having established yourself, what have you now understood about women in your field of profession that you feel, you know, that you knew earlier, early on in your career? See, there's a basic, uh, you know, the women today are really more intelligent than what as a set of patients I had around 15, 20 years back. Right. Okay. Be it from any strata of the society, whether it is the poor strata or the extremely rich or the middle class, the women have hmm. become more intelligent and I would say more independent. So that is a change which I'm seeing and it is for the better. Right. There is one another thing related to the field of medical that your career starts on very late and does that, you know, come in the way at any point of time? Yeah, of course, uh, you know, um, I had a friend of mine, uh, we, we both passed out from school in 95 and till around three years back, I was still studying and she was thinking about her retirement, you know, okay. that she's earned enough and she's, you know, now looking forward to her retirement at such an early age. Whereas I was still struggling to settle myself. Right. So there is a difference. Yes, in the medical field, there is so much of uh, studies that uh, you start earning at a very, very late age. You know, you actually start earning at the age hmm. of 40 to 45. But the good part is that you can earn till your last day. Right. The older you become, you know, the more expensive you become as a doctor. That is there. That's the good part. Right. So you age well in this profession and your experience adds on more and more yes, with time. All right. So moving towards the end, I, I would now like to ask you, what does being unlike a lady mean to you? Um, you know, my profession is a very gender neutral profession. I would just call myself as a doctor. Hmm. I don't go around relating myself as a lady doctor or that person as a male doctor, you know. For me, a doctor is either an right. orthopedician or a gynecologist or a physician. So our profession, I feel, is a very gender neutral profession. So unlike a lady or right. unlike a man, I would not, uh, you know, at least in my profession, I don't think that stands. Yes, when you are pregnant, of course, you have to, you know, as a lady, I did face a thing that my career did take a break because of pregnancy and, the, you know, breastfeeding and my maternity leave. But that was short-lived, right? Hmm. But other than that, I don't think in the medical profession, um, it's. I feel it's a very, I mean, I'm lucky to be in this profession because it's a very, very gender-neutral profession. So you're known by your uh, field of speciality. Right. A physician, an orthopedician, a neurologist, that is what you are. Lady and a man comes, it's not important. That's how I think it should be in all professions. And I'm glad it's there and you feel this way. So that brings us towards the end. Thank you so much for taking up the time to be here. Oh, it was a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. I personally found this a truly insightful conversation, listening to the varied experiences of a gynecologist. And since you've reached the end of the episode, I'm assuming that it equally fascinated you as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like listening to the women we have on Unlike a Lady, we'll request you to share our podcast with just one other person who you feel would love connecting with what we do. I'll be back with the journey of another incredible lady in just two weeks. Stay tuned on our social media handles for updates on future episodes.